wonder how I can promise you now This love that I feel for you always will be But you're not just time that I'm killing I'm no longer one of those guys As sure as I live This love that I give Is gonna be yours until the day that I die For baby, I'm gonna love you forever Forever and ever, amen As long as old men sit and talk about the weather As long as old women sit and talk about old men If you wonder how long I'll be faithful Randy Travis has sold more than 24 million albums since bringing back that classic country music sound with his 1986 debut, Storms of Life. During his career, he has been honored with five Grammy Awards, five Country Music Association Awards, nine Academy of Country Music Awards, ten American Music Awards, and seven Dove Awards. Count them, folks. Randy Travis, welcome to the Drew Marshall Show. Hey, Drew. Yeah, good to be with you today. Quite a list of accolades. Uh, we'll get to that whole thing a little bit later, but I, I want to find out where you're living these days. I, I'm doing a bit of research on you, and it seems like you're all over the place. But Santa Fe, maybe? Is that your that yeah. your home base? Well, uh, yeah. Santa Fe has been home for probably around uh, eight years now. Uh, most of the time, we actually live in the bus. Wherever the bus is parked is home. <laughs> <laughs> and do you still have a place in uh, in Nashville? Well, our office is still there. Our office building, you know, basically the the whole business is run from there and has been for a little over 20 years now. So, yeah, we still have property in Nashville, and, of course, we're there to record sometimes and uh, just go back to visit every once in a while. I mean, I miss it, but uh, my wife and I fell in love with Santa Fe. Oh, we moved that one out there to play shows, I guess, probably 18 years ago to start with. And then finally decided to just move out there after having bought a vacation place and spending more time there than at home. So we sold the house in Nashville and moved out, and, and we like it. We like it a lot. Good for you. I was just uh, I was actually just down in Nashville for GMA week. There's an experience, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. I've been there many times. Man. Well, I tried to find a place to kind of get out on a horse and see some country, but uh, the only stable I came across was a pretty dodgy-looking outfit. Uh, not quite not quite sure of the name of it. I didn't. Going to want to waste my money. Yeah, I don't blame you. And if you're going to ride that kind of horse, you're probably going to ride a horse that knows the trail, will walk the trail when somebody's on his back or when there's no one on their yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. Are you still into horses these days? Get much chance to ride? Uh, I ride every chance I get. I uh, uh, left the house just a couple of days ago now and uh, was, to be honest with you, uh, a guy that works with us, uh, Kurt and I were breaking some colts just before we left. Uh it was it was a interesting kind of fun day too. I hadn't been on one that uh, flew into bucking in quite a while. So I got on a colt, and all at once we we were airborne. Really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was a lot of fun actually. Uh, makes you a little sore when you hadn't been on one bucking in a while. Oh yeah. Well, I was talking to Chuck Norris a while back, and uh, 
he was saying the same thing uh, with with the stock at his place. He he says uh, he just keeps getting sore and sore. You know, <laughs> his chiropractor loves him these days. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't usually have much problem. Uh, I've been on them since I was three years old. I mean, I've, uh, gosh, I grew up on a farm. You know, my dad ran cattle, and so I was riding. Uh, cutting horses and working cows from as young as I can remember. I'm sure by six years old I was out there driving cows with him. So huh. it doesn't really bother me normally unless it's in this case when you're – these colts we were riding, Kurt and I were riding, they had – we'd already been on the back. This is the second or third time we were riding them. So <laughs> it just sort of caught us both off guard. It was funny. Both colts went to bucking just about the same time. Now, what are you riding? you got a few quarter horses down there? Yeah, we got. Uh, ooh, uh, we're breeding and you know raising, and uh, some we're keeping, some selling colts every year, of course. But I think we've got around twenty-five head. Hmm. Good for you. I I just uh, picked up a Billy Cook saddle. Uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and you know what? I I think you and I should stop talking about horses. Let's get on to the rest of the interview. <laughs> All right. We could go on and on with that one. Yeah, as much as I love them, we could we could talk for hours. Now you grew up in Marshville, North Carolina. Is that right? Yeah, it's a small town about 40 miles out of Charlotte, uh, which would be the biggest town that people might recognize. Uh, you know, it's one of those places that never changes, which in one sense that's great because when I go back home to visit it, everything looks the same. And, you know, the familiarity is always wonderful. And it, uh, I don't know, we had about 1,600 people to give you an example of how small it is. Now, when I say the name Harold Trawick, what comes to mind? My dad, my dad, and uh, and uh, somewhat an honorary fellow. <laughs> is Harold still alive today? He still is. He's seventy-three years old now, and he is still uh, breaking and training horses for himself and for other people who hire him to do that. Wow, wow! I had no idea he was still uh, still going that strong. Oh yeah, yeah, he's rough. <laughs> <laughs> to take a fair bit to take this man down, I guess, huh? He's a rough fella. He really is. Yeah. Tell us about your mom, uh, Bobby Trewick. I understand it's been about seven years since she passed. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. She um, she was very young when mom passed away. On my dad's side of the family is a lot of longevity, and on my mom's side, too, as far as ancestors go. Like, my mom's mom uh, lived to almost 100. My Dad's mom, 90, uh, his great, or his uncle, my great uncle, was almost 100. So a lot of longevity on both sides, but my mom, at 60 years old, died in her sleep. Um, she had had a hard life. She lived a hard life, and uh, I, I'll be honest with you, Drew, I just, uh, I think she was just ready to go. Just done. Yeah, I think she just wanted to go. I, I know a little bit, but very little, and I'm not sure how much you want to get into this, but it must have been tough living as a wife of Harold. Uh, yeah, it wasn't easy. They had six kids, and four out of out of six were uh, nuts, you know, me included. <laughs> uh, we were all running wild, and uh, my dad was a guy who liked to party, have a good time, and run kind of wild himself, and... Um, she was sort of caught in the middle, and no, it was not an easy life for her, and uh, she, well, the years were not kind to her. Well, I know that you and your brother Ricky performed together. What's Ricky doing these days? 
Ricky's married, and he's, it's hard to believe he's got one uh, boy now who is 21 years old and a daughter who is 19 years old. And uh, he's playing some music. Uh, he's still with some friends of his there. And uh, he's, he's in an area called uh, New Salem, which is fairly close to Marshville, where we grew up. So he still plays some, and he does construction work, which he and I both started doing that out of school, you know, because my dad had a construction company, and so we just began working, building houses, and uh, that's sort of his profession, and uh, music is a hobby that he gets to do on the weekends. Now, of all your siblings, uh, who were you the closest with? I was with Ricky for a lot of years, and then um, my youngest brother, who I barely knew because there was 10 years difference between us, Dennis, um, several years back, uh, actually went to work for us and, and was on the road touring with us for several years, so I probably got to be a little closer to him than, than anyone else in the family after a while. Well, of all the siblings, who did you bang heads with the most? <laughs> uh, that would be Ricky, my oldest brother, because uh, he and I were only 13 months apart, and so we were playing music together, you know, from the time he was 10, I was 9, so we had bands together from then until... Uh, I was 16, he was 17, and uh, we spent a lot of time together, and that's good and that's bad when you're brothers, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're going to get along sometimes, and then there's going to be those times where uh, one of you is probably going to get a whip, and then that was usually me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I understand growing up as a teenager, you were a bit of a rat bag, right? I mean, you got into the, the, the booze, the drugs, the cars, the fighting, you know, even oh, had a yeah. few uh, run-ins with the law. Yeah, we did that. Uh uh, Ricky and I both went through all those, and uh, and again, so did uh, David, another brother. Um, we did. We went through, uh, well, I'll just give you a, a kind of a rundown of stuff that I had happen and uh, went through, and that being uh, involved in I don't know how many fights and being arrested from everything from driving under the influence to uh, stealing vehicles to breaking and entering, and it... It was a lot of drugs, alcohol, and, and, and to be honest, it, it just kept getting worse and worse until uh, finally, at one point, uh, around 17, Ricky went to prison for a year, and I was looking at the same kind of uh, jail time myself, and then I actually entered, had entered a talent contest, and that's where I met the lady who is now my wife, and I started working for her, and that in itself was what kind of helped steer me in the right direction. We're on the phone with Randy Travis. Randy, uh, hindsight, it's a beautiful thing. Do you see God's hand watching over you, maybe protecting you a little bit? I do. I, I no doubt do. As I got to be older and be, uh, you know, became more interested in learning uh, about the Word of God and, and reading, studying, listening to people who are, well, scholars, Bible scholars, if you want to call them that. And, uh, you know, there there are scriptures I could call out, uh, like uh, the Lord will order the footsteps of a righteous man and he'll give his angels charge over you to protect you in all your ways. Yeah, I could call things like that that sure hit home for me because I don't feel like I got through all the things I went through just on dumb luck. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I joke about this now, being someone who totaled uh, four cars and two motorcycles and a horse and buggy. I just don't think I walk away from all that just out of luck. 
Oh man, that's some kind of life. Now, was it like, was it just typical teenage stuff, or did it kind of edge into your twenties? And you know, if someone didn't smack you upside the head, this would have been a sort of a vocational pursuit for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, it, well, it went up into the early twenties. By by the twenties, I was beginning to calm down and see that I needed to make changes. No doubt about that, but. Uh, I was a hard-headed kid, and I had to learn things the hard way, I guess, um, uh, go through all the bad times and basically hit rock bottom before I could see there was some other way to go. Um, and again, that the Lord taking care of me, no doubt, and um, I believe that was part of meeting my wife also, you know, uh, something that was supposed to happen for me um put me where i am it's been an interesting thing um having had the country career that we've had and then started recording some gospel projects and um then ended up with something that, that a lot of people call a music ministry where we'll go out and play some gospel songs and uh, a gospel performance in in churches or wherever we might be doing it uh uh, working with different churches across the country, and it ended up having a music ministry, and I, I, I'd never even heard the term of a music ministry, hmm. but causing some people to really make some drastic changes in their lives, and the, the kinds of changes like I made, for instance, uh, with the drugs, getting away from the drugs, the alcohol, the just uh, really abusive kind of lifestyle, and uh, so it's uh, it's kind of like a, a, a second career that came along. Sure. Well, I want to read a quote here. At one point in his teens, all that stood between Travis and a long stay in prison was the belief of local entrepreneur Lib Hatcher in his talent as a singer. She took custody and not only encouraged his development as a performer, but also encouraged study of the Bible. She would eventually become his wife. That's quite a that's quite a story. That's like a Harlequin romance kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, we've had offers to write that story, and uh, maybe one day I'll do that, and... Uh... Uh, it's kind of an odd thing to think about, to be honest with you. But uh, uh, some of the stories people would probably read or hear and say they say we're making them up, to be honest with you. Some of the most off-the-wall stories, just so totally ridiculous sounding, they just don't sound true. But uh, maybe one of these days I'll get around to that. But, uh, yeah, if I had not met her, I would have no doubt been in prison and um you know in in a good portion of the cases just time spent in prison doesn't necessarily straighten someone up it just does not fix the problem um had i not met her i mean good chance that i actually wouldn't have lived to be very much older so would you say that lib would be the first person to encourage you to get into the bible you know, I saw in her someone who was a good example. She didn't tell me anything like you need to study this, uh, study the word or anything like that. But I saw someone who was so at peace with everything around them and uh, all people. Just she got along with people. She took care of people. She went out of her way to do things for them. I saw someone who lived a totally different life than than what I came from because my. Uh, life was drinking and using drugs and shouting, screaming and fighting, that sort of stuff. And, and, and with her, I saw just a really peaceful life. And, and uh, 
she was a big influence on me that way, made me want to be a better person. Um, and then some uh, a little time goes by working with her, working for her as a singer, to be honest, uh, at uh, Country City USA. Some time goes by, and, and again, she made me want to try and be a better person. And, and then I just started studying the Bible myself one night. I uh, started reading, rather, uh, when I was going to sleep, not that someone told me to. It's just something that happened. And, uh, uh, yes, yeah, she continued to encourage that and still does, no hmm. doubt. That's great. That's great. It really is kind of a cool thing, especially in the business that you're in, for you folks to, to be able to give credit and kudos to each other. I think that's just tremendous. Yeah, you know what? I can't. I'm not a business person, and and will never make, <laughs> never make claims to have that much business savvy or sense or whatever you want to call it. Uh, she is a very business oriented person. Uh, I mean, let's face it. I'm a singer and a songwriter. When the words are there, sometimes I'm one of those songwriters who either is there or is not. Mm. Uh, Usually I write when it when it's there. I write and I write a song pretty quick. Uh, if it's not, it's just it's just not coming that day. <laughs> and I know that I'm I'm just a singer and somebody who's fortunate to make a living doing that. And she's the business sense in the family, the business head in the family. Good mix, good mix. Who have been the key people in your life who've maybe played a major part in molding who you are today? I mean, other than Lib. You know, you gotta, you have to look at uh, what you get as far as the genes in your family. There's no way around that. You, you are to a certain degree what you get there. I mean, with my dad, I mean, there's a, with him, there's a lot of anger there, but at the same time, there is this determination in him that will not quit. Mm. Uh, so inheriting some of that is not a bad thing. And my mom, um, she was probably the most kind, patient, forgiving person that I've ever met in my life. So no doubt that uh, some of that's a wonderful thing to inherit. Um, so, so you know, there, there's a lot of uh, different people that I've uh, gotten bits and pieces from as, as I've grown up and learned from and uh, lived my mom, my dad, and oh, brothers, sisters. I just a combination of a lot of people. Well, I understand you didn't grow up in much uh, much of a God family, and whatever religion you, you had, it didn't take, right? No, I was in church very little as a kid, and yeah, I said that jokingly many times. What, what, what little bit I was around religion, it sure didn't take. Uh, it, well, again, my dad being a, a guy who was a partier himself, uh, that was just not part of our lives as we grew up, and, and I'm sure he sees that that was a mistake. I mean, we can all look back in years past and see where we've made mistakes, and sure. I'm sure he can, too. Sure, yeah. Uh, did your grandma have much of an influence on you there? I hear a lot of grandmothers in the South, you know, lay a good uh, butt-whooping on, on the kids if they don't get to church. <laughs> my uh, my grandmother on my dad's side of the family was great. Um, she was one of the sweetest ladies, I mean, and... and had so many friends, uh, people would just come by and visit her, not necessarily people in the family, but just neighbors around the area, just drive by to see her. And to be honest with you, when my grandfather passed away, um, she was 70, and again, she lived to be 90, so uh, she never re- she never went out with anybody else, never, much less remarried. 
so I actually stayed with her just about every night for quite a few years. Um, she she was a big influence. I, I loved her, and she was so much fun. Hmm, that's neat. Folks, we are on the phone with uh, Randy Travis. Randy, uh, how many times have you been on Touched by an Angel now? Is it like 9, 10, 11? It's, uh, it's 7 to 9 episodes. I can't remember. Damn. It was a lot. I've been fortunate there. You know, I... Uh, this is the way the the acting thing happened. I wanted to work in a western years ago because of well, like you and I were talking earlier about the horses. I grew up doing that, so I wanted to work in a western. But what happened first was uh, we met uh, my wife and I met Andy Griffith, uh, and I, I'm a big fan of his. I love the old uh, Andy Griffith show. Uh, so we met him, and 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 my wife said he'd love to do uh, Matlock. Uh, episode and Andy said he would. Uh, she started to write down. He said that he said you don't have to write nothing down. And I can remember that. And he gave us a number to call. And and you know that year we did the first Matt Lock. Next year did another Matt Lock episode. Then the Touch by an Angel shows and uh, then did a few uh, TV movies and some other theatrical things, uh, smaller parts in theatrical uh, movies. And I, it's been fun. I've, and I didn't know these numbers until someone who was doing an interview uh, about a year ago came up with this, said that I had worked on uh, 30-some few projects, uh, TV wow. and movie-wise. So wow. It adds up quick. Yeah, good for you. Well, I mean, thinking back to that Touch by an Angel stuff, a lot of those stories on that show seem to show people uh, reaching out eventually to God as a result of some sort of personal hurt or pain or, you know, tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that 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 is what that show was was about. There is no doubt about that. Is we're all going to go through hard times in life, but uh, uh, in reality, you have to come to this uh, belief that there is something bigger than 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 we are. Something uh, a creator of this universe, and that's what that show was all about. And the messages within that show about hope and forgiveness redemption there it, it was incredible i know the lady now for quite a few years who was the executive producer and writer martha williamson and uh she's brilliant she really is brilliant knows the word of god she has studied so much uh, uh bible study that is and so the writing had to be such um what was funny is that she would get into some arguments here and there with the People over at the uh, CBS company, you know, who were not wanting to, okay, we can't be quite this specific about what's written in the Bible. And uh, interesting to hear some of their conversations. But anyway, that show really, uh, well, it had a a wonderful effect on a lot of people. Well, paralleling with a lot of the themes on Touched by an Angel, Randy, what would you say would be the hardest thing that you've had to get over in life? Hardest thing that I've had to get over in life. Oh my gosh, um, there have been some. Th- there have been several things. Um, you know, it's it, not in my younger days. My lack of family life was something that was hard to get over. I, um, because of being an awful kid, I really didn't have much of a relationship with my mother or my father. That was hard to to get over. It took a long time, and it still bothers me, to be honest with you. Sure. Um, when my mom passed away, um, it was so unexpected, and I, I had not talked to her in, 
Oh, over a month. And um, then we had landed. We were going to do a job in Los Angeles, landed, and got a call that she had passed away that night. And uh, that was another one that took took a uh, well. You don't. I don't know that you ever really get over things no. like that. They'll al- they'll always bother you. You just um, uh, you you come to accept what it is, I guess, uh, in the long run, and just just deal with it. And it's not that you ever totally get over it. Yeah, well said, Randy. Is there a correlation with your spiritual growth? and your transition from producing country albums to gospel? I mean, you went from sort of a Hank Williams, George Jones, Merle Haggard thing to a Bill Gaither, Mahalia Jackson, the Stamps Quartet thing. <laughs> well, in a sense, maybe in subject matter, but but as far as the sound, you know, I can't sing anything that's not going to sound like a country record, to be honest. It doesn't matter what the subject matter is, uh, or if there's an orchestra behind me, it's still going to sound like a country song with me singing it. Um as I as I grew more and more as far as uh, studying the word and, and and learning more and more about that, you know, the, 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 to be perfectly honest, I just wanted to record a gospel album. My wife had a conversation with the head of the label then, and this was the Inspirational Journey album, which goes back five six years now, hmm. and. Um, Jim Ed is his name. He said at that point, said, "Yeah, if you want to do a gospel project, go ahead and and do that." And and I just wanted to. Just it was just well, one I wanted to. My wife wanted to do it, and other uh, part of that was I had a lot of requests. People we would meet on the road asking if we were ever going to record a gospel project. So finally, we got around to it, and then. Uh, it turned out that we we just ended up with a music ministry, and that continued to grow. And then the I wanted to go back in and record more gospel projects, and then the label wanted us to do you know old standards like uh, the album Worship and Faith, take old songs that everyone would recognize, and figure out new ways of doing them. And uh, it just continued to grow. So now we just continue recording gospel projects and country projects i have a deal right now to do two more albums one gospel one country and and i want to continue on that path good for you you know i i've always had a hard time trying to figure out the difference between gospel music and christian music can you can you nail that one um i don't know that i could give you the best explanation um you know the, i mean uh, gospel music puts me in mind of uh uh, old songs that you would hear, uh, like Precious Memories, um, uh, Old Rugged Cross, you know, standards, for instance. Uh, Christian music maybe puts me more in mind of what uh, some of the newer uh, things coming out this day and time, stuff like praise and worship music. So is it just pretty much a time and date uh, I a difference? So. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to put it. I think you probably are right there. Yeah. All right, listen, we're going to wrap this up because I know we're running out of time here. But I, I first of all, I've just so much appreciated chat with you. You're, you're a pretty down-to-earth fella. And well, thanks, Drew. You're easy to talk with, man. I appreciate that. Hey, uh, you've worked with the Blind Boys of Alabama. <laughs> I, I wish I could have been in the studio with them. Yeah, Kyle, my producer, Kyle Lenning, uh, he and I have made just about every record together over the last 20 to 21 years. And um, so he flew out to New York <laughs> to do the recording with them. And uh, he said, I wish you could have been there. He's talking to me. He said, this is one of the funniest things. 
the bass singer, and I can't call his name. Clarence. Uh, Clarence, yeah. Um, Kyle, when he doesn't know people, uh, what he'll do is just get them to put down several passes, several vocal passes, and then do a vocal comp. I mean, a lot of people do this. Usually, after he gets to know you, he knows where your strengths, weakness, where strengths and weaknesses are, basically. And, you know, it's, it's a little easier to work out. But he would have him do several passes on everything, and he said at one point, at one point they did a pass and said, Clarence said, uh, now it ain't going to get no better than it is right there. <laughs> he said he, got, he sort of figured out what he was doing, just keep having them record over and over. And he said, we laughed. He said, I, I wish you could have been with us. But Oh, they are funny guys. Seriously, I've had Clarence on the show, and I have Ricky, uh, Ricky McKinney, mm-hmm. and, uh, man, they are funny guys. They're just, yeah. they're just a blast to hang out with. Yeah, that's what he said. He said it was just one of the most fun days in the studio he remembered having in a long yeah. time. Yeah. Who haven't you met that you'd like to meet? Ooh, I don't know who that would be. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, other than me, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I hope we can do that when we come up to play. Uh, outside, gosh, I, I've met so many people in this business. I don't, I've. Like, but there's no, you know, no somebody in history or in in, uh, in a different genre. You know, not necessarily music, but entertainers or politicians or you know the gandhi mother Teresa kind of stuff i mean anything pop in your head at all uh well yeah uh, mother Teresa would have been would have been a great one to have met uh hank williams would have been a great person to have met just for a few minutes no doubt hmm. i mean there's a lot of people in history uh you can look back at george washington uh uh, uh jesus christ but uh but but i'll get to meet him one day hmm. Definitely, yeah. And what a day, huh? I mean, seriously, if we, if we can just hang on to the faith, I'm serious. There's so many days you just, I don't know about you, I am not blessed with the gift of faith. I am like the, the most pathetic person of faith you've ever come across in your life. Oh, I don't have any problem having faith. I uh, still struggle. I struggle with uh, with the anger side of things. That's my problem. Yeah, well, you and me both did. All right, well, final question for you. A few years uh, from now, you're going to be 50 Mm-hmm. Don't mean to rub that in or anything, but you know. <laughs> you're right. Though only three years away. Three years away. Looking back on it all, what do you think's been your greatest achievement? Uh, probably, probably just to have lived this long. <laughs> you know, with the past I had, probably two things: just to have lived this long and to actually have succeeded in the music business. Because I'll be honest with you, I know very little about what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love your humility. I do. I think it's tremendous, and and it comes through. I think that's uh, that's why you have such a following. Uh, we we've had enough of the uh, the sales pitches, and you, you know you're a genuine guy. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I think uh, you stay on those horses. That'll keep you. That'll keep you genuine. It'll keep you loosened up or stiffened up, whichever. Yeah, one or the other. One or the other. That's right. <laughs> My wife just got sent a whole bunch of John Lyons videos. Do you know John Lyons? I know the, tra- the trainer. Yeah, I know yeah, who he is. yeah. So we're hooking into that. And, Last uh, year. Um... You'd have got a kick out of this. Um, one of the last shows we played, in the last month anyway, uh, last year playing shows, and the same night, uh, the Horse Whisperer, um, Monty. Oh, yeah. Uh, Monty Roberts. Yeah. And Jack LaLanne, both of those guys. Really? Came to the same show one night. Yeah, <laughs> what is Jack? Jack must be around 93 now, I think. No way. He is not. Yeah. Yeah, he's about 93 years old and looks incredible. Man, those, i got to get some of those milkshakes. I need to do something that he's doing. I need to ask exactly what he eats and exactly what his workout. 
I, before we get off, I, I did go one time. This has been ten years back, uh, maybe a little more. But he invited uh, my wife and I to come over to his house. We were playing over in uh, uh, Pastor Robles, close to where he where he lives, about fifteen years ago, my wife said. And uh, so he invited us over to his house. And so if you go back, you know, he would have been in his 70s then, and he put me through a workout, and I thought he would kill me before <laughs> I left. <laughs> and, then he fed, and then he fed us lunch, lunch, which was corn chowder and carrot juice, and then I went back to the bus and ate. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, man, that's something yeah. funny. That is funny. Hey, listen, Randy, I appreciate it so much. All right, Drew, good talking to you. Thank you, sir. Take care. Take care. A farmer and a teacher, a hooker and a preacher, riding on a midnight bus bound for Mexico. One was headed for vacation, one for higher education, and two of them were searching for lost souls. That driver never ever saw the stop sign. Eighteen-wheelers can't stop on a dime There are free wooden crosses On the right side of the highway Why there's not four of them Heaven only knows I guess it's not what you take When you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go that farmer left to harvest a home in 80 acres The faith and love for growing things in his young son's heart And that teacher left her wisdom in the minds of lots of children And did her best to give them all a better start And that preacher whispered, can't you see the promised land as he laid his bloodstained Bible in that hooker's hand There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway Why there's not four of them, heaven only knows I guess it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go that's the story that our preacher told last Sunday As he held that blood-stained Bible up for all of us to see He said, bless the farmer and the teacher and the preacher Who gave this Bible to my mama Who read it to me There are Three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway Why there's not four of them, now I guess we know It's not what you take when you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go There are three wooden crosses on the right side of Highway